I didn't really care for Chris Angel. <laughs> I went to go see his show anyways. He comes out and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest in the oh, audience no. tonight. Perez Hilton, the f***ing douchebag. Everybody give it up for this son of a bitch. Yo Show. Hey, what's up? It's Michael Yo. Welcome to the Yo Show. I am very excited for today because everybody knows his name. Um, first blogger first celebrity blogger, he created the game. And then he went from that to, some people say most hated in the game as well. I mean, Perez Hilton is here. Now, this is what's interesting to me. We've hung, we, we haven't hung out, but I know your name. We've been in the same circles, but this is the first time we've sat face to face. And I've been in LA like 12, 13 years. How long have you lived in LA? Since 2002. So 20 okay. years now. 20 it's years. crazy. And by the way, we're in Vegas right now. So I don't want anybody to think we're in LA. No, I'm in enjoying an extended stay in Las Vegas. And you live here now. I let, let me tell you, I, after I almost died from COVID, <laughs> which crazy. is such an intro for the move to Vegas. After I almost died from COVID, I moved here with the, with the family because our uh, neighborhood, we live in the studio city. Yeah. Got kind of invaded. You know, like homeless were everywhere. They were in, like, I was walking my son and a homeless person threw a can at him. Oh, no. He was only three. Oh, no. And I was like, you know what? But why Vegas? You were doing a lot of work here? My wife's parents live here. Oh, that's convenient. So we, babysitter. So Where we, do your parents live? Houston. Oh, and so you, you didn't know, want to move there? No, <laughs> no. And, and all my, and what I discovered is you just, know, this is the, it's an entertainment capital. Yeah. I mean, you got, and I perform at the cellar every night, but they pay you like an entertainer hey. at the cellar. Where in LA, at a club, I'm not gonna say which one, they chased me down to sign for $7. Like for $7. Wait, back to your parents for a second, because I yes. see them on your social media all no. the time. I do a podcast with them sometimes. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen them. Yeah. Why don't they move to Vegas as well? I'm do you have siblings? No, so I'm trying. You don't have siblings so they're, and they're not here yet? This is where their I, grandkids I are. I know, I know. What's it, keeping them in Texas? You know what, they just love Texas. They love, but the problem is, and you, I, don't, I don't know how old your mother is, but. She's 69. She's 69, my dad's 78, my mom's 70, and. I hate to sound like this, but you know, the doors are closing, you know, and I want them to be here so much. So they come down for a month All to right. hang out. But, and my mom knows this because I tell her this, it's so hard to get the family to fly to Houston. It's a, it's an ordeal. Especially I mean, with you young children. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. With two kids that are five and two and it's an ordeal. So I'm trying to get them. Would down you there. have them live with you? Oh, I wouldn't mind. Oh, I would love that. I lo my mom lives with we me as well. We have a spare bedroom right there for them. That's I it. Would, it's happening. They're moving. I, I would love We're that. We're making it happen. <laughs> they wouldn't love that though. I think they would. No, they wouldn't. No? No, my parents need their space. Okay, well then, you know, they can get a little house or an apartment nearby. See, that's what I'm hoping for, but I don't think they will, man. And I'm just afraid that, you know, the... the you don't have siblings. Their grandkids are here. Tell me about it. I need it you to no call sense. them. It makes no sense. I know I they're going to watch this. They have to be here. I love my parents so much, and I want them to be a oh. part. It, it hurts me how my kids don't really know them. Oh, as well of course as they know them. They uh, Well, they haven't seen them that much compared to my grand... Uh, to, compared to my, uh, my uh, in-laws. Like, well, they know they they're over here. here every day, you oh. know? And that's beautiful because I, I remember when I asked my wife... Uh, her dad, if I could marry her, I go, I want y'all a part of my life because I wasn't, my mom's parents were never a part of my life, mm. you know, because they lived in Korea. They couldn't. 
So I was like, I definitely want you in my child's life. And in return, now my family is kind of on the other end because they don't want to move here, you know? Well, that's going to change. So I'm on your show, but I'm just going to take over. Okay. No, no. We This I'm, is what we do. I'm I do the same thing. I'm naturally curious. So uh, you mentioned we'd never met face-to-face, but yes. we know each other. And I always knew you as a radio guy. Yeah, from and Miami. And then somewhere along the way, you started doing comedy. When you were, <laughs> well, or, I, I well, did or, entertainment news. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But then... But radio was what brought you prominence. Oh, a hundred percent. And then you did e- you were on E News and all of Daily that. Daily Ten and all so that. So when you were in Miami, when you started on radio, you weren't doing comedy back so, then. So were you? No. So what happened? This I got to because to me because you're you're a little bit older than me. Yeah, we're old. Yes, I we embrace are. it. I'm 44. I'm yeah. old. I'm 47. I'm old too. And to me, that's really brave and ballsy and bold to say I've been known for doing this thing for a very long time this is out of my comfort zone but it's a dream of mine or a passion I don't know and and you just went for it I did and I and I stopped I had to quit entertainment news which pays a lot of money uh to do that and my wife was on board and now it's paying off man like I'm touring the world did you learn just by doing it or did you take any classes did you have any mentors no Joe Joe Coy was my mentor I was on Chelsea lately okay yeah so I was I I did that a bunch of times I was on I was the reporter on Chelsea not the comedians but I was a reporter where you would get facts and the comedians would crack jokes on them make fun of them but I never did that I was more of the Straight oh, guy. actually, yeah, yeah, I was a sweet guy. And so I got trash for that, but it made me, yo, he's a nice guy. So from that, Joe Coy saw me on the show and goes, hey, man, you're really funny. You should try stand-up. I did my first show because I had a huge radio show in Miami at the Miami Improv, sold it out my first show ever because I had a huge radio show out there. And literally, I got off stage. I called my mom, called my mom and said, this is what I was born to do. I loved it that much wow and that and that's and that's how it all and how many years have you been doing that for now i'm going on 11 years right now for stand-up for stand-up yeah yeah so which in in the stand-up game is young yeah because most people break at 20 years so i'm trying to do it in like like 20 to 30 years joe coy was like 25 years before. wow really i'm trying to do it that's wild because i don't want to be dead (laughs) before now let's let's talk about you all right like how did you from from new york you go to la you start this blog at the coffee bean. I lived down the street and I always heard, oh, Perez Hill. On just, Hayworth. On Hayworth. <laughs> and every day, like somebody in, the, I lived in a complex. They're, oh, Perez is down there just doing his blog. And it was so interesting. I For didn't this, have Wi-Fi at my apartment. I know you so I went to use the Wi-Fi at the coffee bean. I was so poor. <laughs> I didn't want to pay extra for Wi-Fi. So that's what I, I did. Okay. So how long did you do it at that coffee bean before for, you're like, I'm making some money? Almost two years. You made no money for two years. No, I I eventually started making money. And then it wasn't like an overnight thing. There got a point in my career where I said, okay, it's time to get a different apartment and I need help. Yeah. Um, actually, it was a health crisis. I was in Australia in 2007 at the MTV Awards there. And I had pneumonia. And I felt like I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. So I said to myself, well, I need some help so that I don't do every single thing myself anymore. And that's when I decided to hire my family. (laughs) So my sister works with me. My mom works with me. And that was something that was a little bit nerve wracking at first because, you know, my sister and I would always butt heads, but 
we still butt heads personally, but she's the best team member because she works almost as hard as I do. And I still work crazy hard. Uh-huh. You know, a, a normal employee will be like clock in and clock, clock out, yep. but my sister cares. And so does my mom. So my mom is like my professional mom. I pay her to do mom like things. Like she'll run my errands, like go put gas in my car, pick up my mail from the PO box. If I need to buy a present for a kid's birthday party, she'll, she'll go out it. and do all those little things that take time. Yeah. And she does that for me. And I, and she lives with me and she doesn't, have to, she doesn't have to pay for anything. So, so let's the blog, when did it blow up, blow up? What year was well, that? Where what's it, what, wild is that, you know, the comedy world can take a long time, but social media and the internet, things can happen very quickly. Well, it exploded because you were at the forefront. Yeah. Like, I mean, you I, were the first one to do what you even really before there was a social media. Yeah. You know, I started in 2004 when there was no YouTube, there was no Twitter, no Instagram. there was no Instagram, there was no TikTok. Facebook actually began that same year. What was prevalent in 2004 was MySpace, which doesn't exist anymore, really. And I was never even on MySpace yeah. because I'm so old that I joined the precursor of MySpace. There was this social site called Friendster. Do you remember oh, Friendster? Yeah. <laughs> that was hot for like a month. Yeah, but I was on that. So I'm like, why am I going to join MySpace? I'm already on Friendster. I don't get it. <laughs> and then I just discovered blogging and curiosity but, but led me to it. what was big at that time was gossip. Magazines, right? Like the, Magazines, the, yes. The People Magazine. And but in 2004, because it was such a different time and there really wasn't social media and none of these magazines were using their websites to break celebrity news. It was all just a funnel back to the magazine. So it was go to people.com or go to usmagazine.com to sign up for the magazine, get a subscription. So, and then I come along and I, I don't want to give myself credit for anything, but I played a part in changing the game. You did change the game. You, you were a major contributor in changing the game, but did you know when you were doing it, wasn't it an accident that you're like, Oh, I'm gonna just do this Paul, a blog post about this celebrity and see what happened? Or was there like, oh, this is the plan I'm gonna do for you? There was a year. no plan. There was no, no plan. You just started doing it. It was just, you what know. What was your first story, too? I think I remember it. It yeah. was, I was driving to my job at the time. What was your job? I was working at a gay men's magazine as the senior editor, and I was listening to Howard Stern and he said something that pissed me off. So my very first thing, it was just super organic. Like Howard said the most ridiculous thing about gay people. Cause in 2004, he was still kind of homophobic. Yes. Or just. You could so, get away with a lot more. Yeah, back then. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something that as a gay man, it pissed me off. Mm -hmm. So it was very reactionary. And that was my first, and I, I wish I had it. Oh my goodness, you don't have that first story? No, because you know, <sighs> things evolved. Like it started off for the first eight months on blogger or blogspot, which I don't even know if that exists anymore. Uh, and then eventually I got my own website. And then over the years I switched servers and the first few years are gone. I mean, maybe on that website, um, web archive or something, it might still you know exist. Be so dope. If you got that first thing you posted and made it a poster and then I would love it. to that see it. So I would love dope. to read it. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. But it was just, at the time, if people did have blogs, it was very much like an online diary, a journal, like, oh, I went on a date and what? my date was awful. I never wanted to talk about myself. I always was interested in celebrities since I was a little kid. Why? Because they're crazy. And actually, <laughs> if, if you 
take a step back and look at it on a more uh, macro level, I do believe that celebrities and entertainment news and Hollywood show business music, all of that, in a way it saved me and healed me because my dad died when I was very young. It was the, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. So I was, I think, 14 or 15 years old. And this was Miami in the 90s. And my mother, bless her, you know, she's Cuban. And even though she's only 69 years old now, she's like 80 something mentally. Like she's just from a different world, literally a different country. And like only a few years ago did she start texting. And she's so upset about how technology now is dominating everything. I have to sign up on the computer before I go see the doctor. Can you do that for me, please? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, you know, back in the 90s, and especially in, in a Latino household, you don't talk about your feelings. If it was now and, you know, I had a husband and he died unexpectedly, I would make sure that my kids were in therapy mm -hmm. to help them process that and, and guide them through it and talk about it. But I have compassion and understanding for my mother. She literally was just trying to survive and stay alive herself because her husband and my grandfather, her father died a week apart. Oh my, God. my dad unexpectedly, my grandfather of old age. And then I almost pretended like my dad didn't die. I mean, I knew he died, but I, I didn't process it. I didn't grieve. I drowned myself in television. In celebrities. In celebrities. Wow in an unhealthy way too. Like I thankfully did very well in school. I went to this all boy Jesuit school in Miami and with little to minimum to like no effort, I got straight A's. Wow. But I would stay up past midnight watching Oprah and Arsenio Hall and friends and just devouring TV and reading. Like I would even go to the shopping mall behind my house and spend my little money that I would win because my family loves to gamble. <laughs> so we would play this thing called Loteria, which is like bingo. And I, I would win bingo money and I would buy like Billboard magazine. Like why was I buying Billboard magazine? I don't know, but I would, so I would get subscriptions to Vanity Fair and all of these things and I would just devour it. And that really ended up being the foundation of who Perez Hilton would become later on in life. So would you say you were obsessed? Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, now I'm obsessed with my kids. That's 100%. what I'm obsessed with. Well, we'll get to that, but we got so much to cover before we get. To I kids was, and in a way, also it was very aspirational for me. Like, I am gay, <gasps> shocking, <laughs> and I'm from Miami, as we've established. And being gay and from Miami in the night, growing up in the '90s and in the '80s. I literally thought Gloria Stefan was my aunt. Like I loved her that much yes. that I viewed her as a family member and I would fantasize about going on the road with her <laughs> and like, how cool would that be? Like, the front row at all her shows. And she was really a huge inspiration for me. I mean, like if Gloria could make it, so could I, could. Yeah. Uh, even though I wasn't a singer and a musician. Now, so did you want to be, so you wanted to be a celebrity yourself or no? I wanted to be an actor. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, I went to school for that. I, got, I went to NYU 
and I studied drama and what a waste of money that was. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> but thankfully I got mostly a full scholarship. I got a full scholarship to NYU, dot, 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 but I had to pay for room and board, which gotcha. was still really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So I took loans out for, for that part of it all. And uh, you know, the problem with me trying to be an actor is uh, I did New York for a while after graduating and then I moved out to LA trying to be a sitcom actor. Okay. I was very specific. I wanted to be Sean Hayes. That was my dream. You Will, know, and, Will Grace. and Grace was Will huge and Grace. back yep. then. And I, I, I'm very objective. Like I knew I wouldn't be playing a straight guy. I knew I wasn't going to be the leading man. I'd be the sidekick, the best friend, the crazy neighbor, the gay cousin, whatever it might be. But 2004, it wasn't all about diversity back then. No. It wasn't. I mean, look at Friends. That well, that's was the late '90s, but still. Uh, so I would go out on auditions, and my legal name is Mario Lavandera, but I read white. So they're not going to cast me for a Latino part, and they're really not going to cast me for a non-Latino part either, because I hadn't. Been, I should have changed my name, but yeah. I didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was always too practical. To, to have a, a, a job as a bartender or a waiter. So I always had like real jobs that I would just manage to sneak out on auditions. And now what's a real job? What was a real my job? My first job in LA, I worked as a publicist and that was traumatic. <laughs> because it, it, a lot of people don't know what a publicist do. Basically but, every beck and call for a celebrity you have to pick up the phone if they need anything. But, they're crazy. But there are levels of publicists okay. in Los Angeles. And the one that I worked for, the guy worked out of his apartment. <laughs> and it was me and yeah. another kid fresh out of college. And this is like a true Hollywood horror story. And I have... Comp I'm thankful. Not everybody gets this way. But the older I get, the more just compassion and understanding I have for people, especially those that were struggling, like mm -hmm. my mother or like this guy who had a meth problem and we were working out of his apartment. So he would be doing meth and bringing tricks back to his apartment while my coworker and I were working in his apartment and we could hear it and we knew what was going on. And, <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was insane. So I didn't want to stay there very long. Of course not. So I stayed there until I got another job. So maybe it lasted there three to six months. I yeah. don't remember the exact amount of time. I went from there to working at a gay nonprofit, okay. GLAD, the Gay and yep. Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. I was their, their publications manager. And I just didn't like it because it was so corporate, but better than working from, for like yeah, a meth addict, you know, <laughs> in his apartment. That he was having like random tricks come over all the time. So... I don't know. I just, I, it was so, I got in trouble at the, I'm glad because <laughs> I've always been celebrity and pop culture obsessed and I would read all these magazines. And then one day it just occurred to me, you know, I should just, I don't know. I just wanted to decorate my cubicle. So I started putting pictures up of celebrities on my cubicle to the point where eventually my entire cubicle was like giant, collage and covered with pictures so, of celebrities so where it, it's a distraction. And, I got in trouble. And for normal people just walking by, they were like, this dude's kind of crazy. Like, he's <laughs> well, kinda, I guess I am crazy. I, I, I mean, I'm crazy, but in the best way, I'm best crazy way. In, 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 I think a 
fun, lovable, non-dangerous way. Although maybe in the past it was dangerous and crazy in just a crazy way. Uh, but you know, you have to be a little bit crazy to have a career in entertainment. You do. It's, 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 I've never been in an industry that really creates their own monsters. However, while I'm crazy, I'm also very professional and Uh I expect that. And there are those crazy showbiz people that just aren't professional. Not at all. Like I showed up early here. You did. I'm an early person, punctual. I'm a follow through person. That actually is one of the things that might surprise people. Like I know, I I know I have a shitty reputation, but Anybody I will be that, on time. And no, no, but anybody that works with me, yeah. that has worked with me, they'll they'll tell you I am the most professional. Not not only do I show up on time, I say yes to everything. I don't complain. I'm super easy and just super grateful. But were you like that when you got that shitty reputation? Uh yeah. You were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Now, because there's my public persona and then there's who I am in real life when people actually interact with Yeah. You. Okay, so I want to go back to when this thing exploded because the thing that stood out, and I read this article, this was like when this blog was popping off. People go, it blew up because of the content, but you really saw it blow up after you started drawing. On that it. Is just, that true? No, I think why it blew up was I just innately knew all the buttons to push and all of the things to do. And drawing on the photos was one of many things that I did. It was another way to market what I was doing. It was marketing, like tagging my photo like a graffiti artist. So then if people shared it, they instantly knew where that photo was from. Um, You know, I knew the importance of appearances. Fake it till you make it. You know, those early years. And it was such a different time. I just did an interview recently with um, Glamour because... uh, Every few months, these old photos of mine go viral. I threw a house party in 2008, <laughs> and it was like just such a random mix of people, and people are just obsessed with these photos. I should do a photo book. You should. I need to manifest a photo book. Photo uh, book. Um, but back in the early 2000s, there used to be a lot more actual events like you know brent bolt's house there or or whomever or, or the the, pub, the publicity uh, companies would throw parties for every time there was a new t-mobile sidekick or every yes. time there was a new motorola razor and they were huge multi-million dollar parties like they would spend a million plus at I, least even samsung when they tried to go against apple phones back in the day yeah like they would throw they would rent out mansions and just so throw down i would go to every party the us weekly I don't even think. I don't even Us think. Weekly I don't even think so they big. have those parties anymore. No, they don't. They yeah, don't. Yeah, Us Weekly used to have two parties a year. I forget yes. for the hot Hollywood party and then like another party, which is they they're just basically throwing advertiser events mm-hmm. to to sh- for, for their advertisers to be happy and schmooze with the celebrities. Uh, but I would be everywhere. I would even go to the Super Bowl. And I don't care about football. Yeah. Uh, but I was everywhere, and I knew. Now, how'd you get into all this stuff? Like, well, was this kind of a trade? It, like, I'll write an article? Yeah, or, well, okay. it, you know, when I started, nobody was doing what I was doing. And then I somehow, all of a sudden, started getting a lot of eyeballs on me. So so how fast was this? Three months? Super fast, yeah. Like, three I months, would say six months? I started in September of 2004. And by November, I realized people were reading what I said. And then by 
February of 2005. That was the first time I got on television, wow. which is wild because that TV show that featured me isn't even around anymore. What was it? The Insider. The ins I was on The Insider yeah, too. Before, it yeah. was Entertainment Tonight's sister show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Ananda Lewis mm -hmm. interviewed me, a former MTV VJ. And shortly after that, I went through a really dark phase in my life with a severe depression. But that TV show was like God, meaning it helped me keep moving forward because I, in the back of my mind, even though I was suffering from really crippling depression with suicidal thoughts, at the back of my head, it, I kept telling myself, well, I, even though things are awful, I can't give this little thing up because my little hobby got me on TV once. And Maybe if I keep going, it might get me on TV a second time. Now, and that hope of just that second time was just everything for me. Now, when you say suicidal thoughts, did you ever come close? No. Okay, but good. I, but I might have because I literally felt like I was in a tunnel and all I could see was darkness and there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And my brain was saying, you hate the job. So I, by that point, I was back in New York City because... I've always been crazy and a hustler. So at some point in my college years, I decided the crazy began around, just, when was it? Senior year. I didn't want to live on a dorm anymore. So I got an apartment. Please, young people, no matter what you do, live with your parents before doing what I did. I got a cash advance on my credit card. Oh. And the interest on that is like 30%, per, 27%, it's, it's something crazy. like that. I got a cash advance on my credit card to pay for the down, down payment and the, the deposit in the first month of my apartment. And I couldn't afford it. I wasn't really making any money. I had like a little part-time job, but not enough to like pay it all off at once or even a little bit. I was barely paying the minimum. And then eventually I started getting a whole bunch of different credit cards to, uh, to pay off the interest. And you did your own Ponzi scheme to yourself. And then eventually <laughs> I had like 20 or so credit cards that were all maxed out. Oh my God. And eventually I had to file for bankruptcy. Uh, so uh, I um, just, wait, where was I going with this? No, you I were talking about you, you went back to New York. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, because, so yeah, yeah. that's right, right. So I got that apartment. And I'm crazy slash practical, the yin and yes. yang, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to LA to be an actor. But the apartment that I got in New York in the West Village, 160 Waverly Place, apartment four on Waverly between 6th and 7th, it was like a godsend apartment because it was a three-bedroom apartment in the West Village that was rent-stabilized. Oh, yeah. And I was getting charged only $1,700 for the entire three-bedroom apartment. Oh, that's great. So I moved to Los Angeles <laughs> I rented out all three because I was on the lease. I rented out all three rooms and was earning a profit. Oh, that's great. That helped me in Los Angeles. And then things went to the crapper in LA. I got fired from two jobs. And what? I, Why'd you get fired? Briefly. The first job I got fired from, because I've always been crazy think, <laughs> thinking outside the box. But I've always been, a, it's weird. It's that dual thing. I've Practical. always been a really good boy. But then crazy. So um, I left GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, and I got a job working at the gay magazine, Instinct, as the senior editor. Big title, little paycheck. Mm. In 2002, no, 2004, 
uh, working in that magazine, I was making $30,000 a year mm. as the senior editor mm. and living in Los Angeles. It, you, need a, you need a car. Yeah. You, yeah. So I was just doing what all of my other friends were doing, right? <laughs> That's it. So like if you have friends, especially in 2004, like my friends worked for a lot of the movie studios and they would give each other, you know, DVDs of their new releases and then they would go to Amoeba and sell the DVDs yep. and make money. So one of the sections that I was responsible for the gay men's magazine was the books section. I was the editor of the book section. So I would assign all of the books to review. And then we had all of these leftover books. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to sell these books on Amazon for money. I was so dumb. I didn't even use an alias. I used my real <laughs> name. And then what ended up happening was the publisher of the competing gay men's magazine found out somehow and went around to all of the advertisers that advertised at Instinct, the one that I was with, and said, the senior editor of Instinct is going around selling review copies on Amazon of the books. And then the publisher brought me in and said, we love you, you're really good. If we would have found out about this internally, we could have dealt with it internally, but it's out there now and it's being used against us. Yeah. We have to let you go. I was like crying. Like, yeah. So anyways, then I was like, shit, I had a job that was only paying me $30,000 a year. What the fuck do I do? Then I started temping right away because I was like, no money saved. Then I actually got a job working at E. I don't know if you ever heard my E story. No. Oh my God. This was November of 2004. I remember it. Okay, it was that's just, before me. Yeah. It was just before Thanksgiving. And this was back when E was on Wilshire. And it was before Seacrest had his studio built. In that area where Seacrest had a studio built, that's where the reception area used to be. Mm -hmm. And I worked through the temp agency there as the receptionist for all of E. So I had to greet people and answer the phones. And then this was 2004. So you have to remember culturally at the time, America's Next Top Model was a big show yes. in 2004. Janice Dickinson comes in one day and I loved Top Model and I loved Janice. And we started to chit chat in the reception area. And she asked me, honey, do you like my shoes? And I said, yeah, they're lovely. And she's like, do you know how many men I had a fuck to get these shoes? And I'm like, I don't know, but they're worth it. And uh, she said that very, very loudly in the crowded E reception yeah. area. Then she's like, which way to the bathroom? I'm like, well, down the hall to your left. And she starts going to the bathroom and then screams, basically, in the middle of the crowded E reception area. Shit, I forgot my tampon. Because she had left her purse with her gay boy assistant. So she came back to the reception area gets her tampon, goes to the bathroom. Then when Janice Dickinson is in the bathroom, her gay boy assistant opens her purse, gets this prescription pill bottle, steals some of her pills and puts it in his pocket. <laughs> and by that point, I had started blogging only a few months ago. I started in September, 2004. All this went down in November, 2004. So I go home and I thought to myself, well, this happened in public, in the e-lobby. It wasn't behind closed doors. I'm not revealing any e-insider information. Well, what, was your name Perez Hilton by this point? No, okay, my name was Mario Lavandeta okay. on my blog. Okay. When I first started blogging, it wasn't PerezHilton.com. It was called Page666.com. Okay, to spin off of Page6. Yeah. And then eventually they sued me and I had to change the name. But by then I already had the alter ego of Perez. Okay, gotcha. So the next day after writing up that Janice was in there, uh, this hot 
gay blonde HR dude comes with a security guard to bring me into his office and tell me you're fired. <laughs> so by that point, I was like, shit, well, fuck LA. I'm moving back to New York where even with just two roommates, if I moved back to my Still making money. Now, I'm not making money, but I was breaking even. Okay. So I barely even had to get a job. Uh, I could work part-time doing nothing. So I moved back to uh, to New York and I started freelancing for In Touch and for Star Magazine. And eventually Star hired me full-time after I was freelancing there for a while. And even though it was a conflict of interest, because I still had my blog, they didn't force me to shut it down. So I tried doing that for a while and I quickly realized I hated working at Star Magazine. Okay. I remember this was the spring of 2005. Russell Crowe got into a fight with a hotel worker at the Mercer around uh -huh. that time. So they said, oh, Mario, you speak Spanish. Go to the Mercer and try to get information. So I'm like, all right. I get there. They kick me the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, please don't call the police. <laughs> My mother would be so ashamed of me. Like uh, around that same time, Renee Zellweger and Kenny Chesney were married, but there were all these rumors of them being on the outs. So they had me follow Renee Zellweger around oh. New York City. And I just felt oh. like I hated it. It was boring. I felt gross. I just, it was, I was not cut out for it. Thankfully, mercifully, towards the end of my six months at Star, I was basically just on expert duty, which if you have to think about it, back in the spring of 2005, Star, uh, like on every other cover, it was how thin is Nicole Richie? How thin is Lindsay Lohan? Uh, and I would talk to these nutritionists and doctors and they would guess how much they weighed. And I, I, I got that expert quote and I did that. And I was thinking of leaving, but I was scared to leave because at the gay men's magazine, gay don't pay. Yeah. They were paying me $30,000 a year. But now that I was full-time at Star, they were paying me $55,000 oh, okay. a year. All right. So, you know, I felt stuck. I'm like, I was now, paralyzed by fear. Even though it's celebrity, you were talking to, well, you were talking to doctors about celebrities. Yeah. You were in the celebrity world. You but didn't like it. that type of celebrity. I hated it. Okay. I always hated even just... Like, I was never cut out for red carpets. I hate red carpets. Yeah. There, there, there are people who enjoy them. I'm not one of them. Me neither. So I started asking my, here's another bit of advice for young people or old people. I started chit chatting with my colleagues and asking them, should I quit and do my website full time? And they're like, no, no, no. Nobody's making money on the internet. Don't quit this and then the other. You might think your colleagues are your friends. Oh no. But they're not. No. If you're not prepared to get fired, don't tell anybody you're thinking of quitting. Yeah, because they're going to run and say, they're just trying to move up. That's it. And then eventually, because I was talking to people about quitting and because I just sucked at it, yeah. I was fired. However, being fired from that job was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I probably wouldn't be where I am today had I not gotten fired from star magazine in the spring of 2005 because i was there long enough to be able to collect unemployment so i was living rent free in my three-bedroom west village apartment i was collecting unemployment i was getting out of my depression that was triggered by being felt like felt like i was stuck in that job and 
I envisioned my future and I was like, I hate this. I'm gonna end up moving back to Miami, a failure, mm. getting an office job that I hate there. I'll be an embarrassment to my family. I'm a failure and I'll eventually end up killing myself. Uh, and I would remember being stuck in my shower for like 35 minutes at least every day before work in the fetal position not with the shower on. And it was that bad, huh? Yeah. And I remember after I got fired, going to the movies with a friend of mine in the East Village. I don't even remember what. Maybe it's because also it was a shitty movie. I think it was like The English Patient or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And. I could not focus on the movie. I thought my brain was permanently damaged. I'm like, am I never gonna be able to focus in a movie again? Uh, so eventually, I just, I, throughout all of that, throughout the depression, throughout everything, I kept my website going. And then eventually, I started to feel better and get a little bit better. And it was when I was able to do my website full time, kind of like when you yep. quit your other yes. job and devoted yourself full time to comedy. To something you love. Yeah. When I devoted myself full time to my little passion hobby, my little my little website, that's when it really took off. Okay. So when it took off, how did you feel about, because the way I view Perez Hilton at at an early point, you would give a lot of information, but you would also kind of shit on people at the same oh, time. Oh, all the time. All the time. Yeah. So as a person- That was strategic. Because was a you, calculated knew get, move. you knew it would get clicks. Is that why? It was twofold. One, if I was salacious, it would be enticing to readers, and it might even upset a celebrity who would then engage and get in a fight with me that would then get me pressed, that would then get me more readers- so this was all strategic. Yes. You did that on purpose. Did Absolutely. you believe the stuff? you? Because here's, well, yes. here's why I no, said no. you did I believe I was it. never a troll. I think a troll, I, 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 there is a troll, which is a noun, and then there is to troll, which is a verb. Back in the day, I loved to troll, but I was never a troll. Meaning I, anything that I said I believed, it was just like sometimes like a heightened version of it or, you know, like, I was just saying what everybody was thinking. That that was the BS excuse that I would say to myself. Uh, but I always believed what I said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Was there one in, like when you you were on top of the world of the blogging world? Was there ever a celebrity that came in that coffee bean? A few. <laughs> and and what what type of interaction? Like who were they? And if you can say all kinds of interactions. There were the confrontations. From, and how'd you handle that? Like a pussy. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And they would come into the coffee bin. Yeah, like Nicole Richie confronted me saying, why'd he call me zombie hands? Because I was an asshole back then and I gave people stupid ass nicknames. Uh, Or that was one type of, that was one type of interaction. Then there was like a, a middle type of interaction. I remember specifically, God, I have all these stories. Lindsay Lohan was in a movie and um, the producer took the unprecedented step of writing an open letter about how unprofessional Lindsay was. And she was showing up late to set and just really difficult to work with. So she showed up to the coffee bean one day and she's like, oh, hey, Perez, I'm on my way to work and I'm, I'm going to get there early today. <laughs> <laughs> so she like wanted me to write about right. that. And then there were the- Did you write about it? Of course, okay, it was a great okay. story. Yeah. And then there were the celebrities that I was friendly with that just came to visit me, like Amanda Bynes, who I would have never predicted her life and career to end up the way that it did. She was super normal 
It's yeah. super lovely. What do you think happened? I'm inclined to believe her and what she said happened, which is most people, if they smoke weed, you know, marijuana, they have a, a certain type of reaction to it. Then a few select people that might have underlying mental health issues like bipolar, borderline personality, schizophrenia, whatever, if they smoke weed regularly, it could trigger that. And she said that for, for her, things really started to go sour with heavy weed smoking. And she was honest. She said, I also dabbled in this and dabbled in that, but it was the weed smoking for her, she said. And, and I don't know, I, I, I've read from other sources, from, from medical professionals that that could be true, that that is true in some cases. Yeah. And I got served by, by uh, process servers there with lawsuits. Oh, you must've uh, got so many lawsuits. A few yeah. <laughs> there and even more uh, not there. Uh, yeah. That's one of my biggest regrets. You, like I have wasted millions of dollars in legal fees, settlements, just. Now, when they sue you, isn't it, you know, it's just, it's your take or were you, or were they stating it as fact? Like what you were saying? I got sued for so many different reasons. Okay. I got sued. Well, you know, when I started in 2004. And you didn't know the law when you started. Exactly. You were just, you were just typing. Exactly. When yeah. I started in 2004, yeah. it was the wild, wild west. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. Social media was so new. And in a way. It's a lot of defamation of character. Not even that, but like up. in a way, an average Instagram user or TikToker might do the same thing I do, which is. Like, let's say you're a TikToker now because TikTok is very popular. Yeah. If you post a paparazzi photo of a celebrity because you want to comment on it and you use the paparazzi photo, okay, fine, whatever. But then all of a sudden, if you blow up and become famous TikToker, those paparazzi agencies are going to come after you and they are going to want you to money. pay for their paparazzi photos, which it never occurred to me that I would need to pay for those photos. So I had so many paparazzi agencies sue me. I had celebrities sue me. Uh, yeah, my lawyer got very rich off of me. <laughs> now, the, because I interviewed a lot of celebrities when I worked for all these different outlets and sometimes when you're around that celebrity after you interview, if it doesn't go quite as well as you want it to, you always feel awkward around them. Did you feel like when you went out to these parties and things like that, there was a lot of people you just had to stay away from. Oh yeah, it was oh, very yeah. awkward in the rooms. More than that, like I had confrontations like, out in fights. About. Did you did once you, that oh. iconic moment that the manager for the Black Eyed Peas punched me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I released a memoir in 2020 that was in the first chapter or the preface to the book that mm -hmm. opened the book. Mm. What'd you say about the black eyed peas? You know, I was not very kind to Fergie. I was a douchebag. Was I this the it. thing with the picture where it was all wet on her pants? It, she, you one? know, I was such a see you next Tuesday and yeah. I viewed I compartmentalized things and I um, didn't even see celebrities as human beings in a lot of ways. Wow. I viewed them as characters in my soap opera. And I had my heroes and I had my villains. I had the ones that I like and I had the ones that I didn't like. And unfortunately for some stupid and maybe even arbitrary or maybe even no reason, 
I made Fergie a villain. So Will I Am confronted me and was standing up for his bandmate. And then he and I had an exchange of words. It got heated verbally. And then the manager stepped in and got physical. Mm, okay. And you know what? I even have compassion for him now. I literally harbor no ill will towards him. Polo, I believe, was is his name. I wish him well. Oh, you knew how? I knew everything that I was doing was oh, wrong, really? and I okay. didn't care. Oh. That's why I don't believe I will ever achieve redemption in the minds of the masses, nor do I even think I deserve it, really. Um, it would be nice, but like to me, my past is, in a way, irredeemable. Because I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I did it anyways. Because getting the clicks, getting the attention. You got addicted to it. Yeah. It's like an addiction. Yeah. That mattered more to me than if I hurt somebody's feelings. I didn't care. So do you And think, that's like a now, real now, tough say, pill for me to swallow now. now. When, you, when you say redemption, do you think... Are, are you talking about more about celebrities or just normal people? Because I don't think normal... People today have such a short memory. Oh no, the internet's forever. People will pull out receipts forever. No. You know, and what's, I understand this as well, but what it sucks is people, they, they don't just hate me. I've, I've talked about this in therapy a lot. I'm in therapy, thankfully. Um, it could be my, I don't even think I'm incorrect though. I think not only am I still incredibly hated, but people wish me ill will. People want to see me suffering for the shit I did in my past. And while I think what I did in my past is irredeemable, awful, I regret it, I have deep shame, I'm incredibly sorry, I look at the past and it's not all negative and bad. I'm also proud of a lot of the things that I did and what I accomplished and where I got and how I helped my family and how now I love to mentor young influencers and, and musicians because I'm so passionate about music mm -hmm. and I give them all advice and I do so much behind the scenes to help them not make the same mistakes I did and, and, and guide them in the right direction. But uh, yeah, I am happy. And I won't, I'm not going to be constantly self-flagellating to appease strangers. Have you, have you made up what anyone you have? Most of them. Really? Even Fergie. After all that and drama. How'd you, and how'd that come about? Did you just go on an apology tour? She actually sent me flowers and said, I've noticed this change in you and I'm very proud of you. That's beautiful. And then... She invited me to her baby shower and I'm, and I took my son and I'm like, how wild is this? Actually, since we're in Vegas, oh my God, <laughs> this is an iconic, I'm so full of stories. Since we're in Vegas, maybe you should come with me. Oh my God, what? that'd be funny. What are we, what are we doing? Um, I forget what year it was. Oh, it was two, was it 2008? I forget the exact year, but it was the year that Chris Angel launched his Cirque du Soleil show. I believe it was at the Luxor mm -hmm. and I didn't really care for Chris Angel. <laughs> I went to go see his show anyways. And I'm almost certain it was 2008. Cause it was right. I think it was the same weekend maybe that I did the Miss USA pageant where I asked that infamous same sex marriage question that blew up. Uh, anyways, the show had just opened and it, it had been plagued with technical issues. So I'm there 
and there's a technical issue and there was like a 20 minute stop down. Mm. It was like a long ass break yeah. in the middle of the show. So then I got on Twitter. No, it must've been a little bit later because Twitter, I think, I don't remember when Twitter started. Anyways, I got on Twitter and I tweeted something about being at the Chris Angel show and it's like a fucking root canal because I'm at, there's like a break, a long ass break. Yeah. So then <laughs> he comes out and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest in the oh, audience no. tonight. Perez Hilton, the fucking douchebag. Everybody give it up for this son of a bitch. And I gave my best beauty pageant wave and smiled. <laughs> but thankfully now we have both made peace and yeah. he invited me to his new show and I actually will intend to go. That's great. Yeah. And I saw you went to Mad Apple with a couple of Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... It, I love Vegas. I love going to see shows. Vegas, you know, I grew up in Miami and I didn't have the best experience being a closeted gay guy back in the 90s in a Latino machista community was really hard. Plus also being poor and not having a car was also very hard. That meant I was the prisoner to my mom who had to take me everywhere. Um, so I never loved life back then that's one of the reasons i was drawn to, to, to college in new york city because he didn't need a car i could be gay it was magical then i moved to la and la was a lot like miami mm -hmm. but vegas reminds me of new york but better because you don't have the freezing winters there's no snow it's small like new york and there's a real sense of community here which new york has as well yeah is i've i i've lived here for now almost a year and a half and man it's it's a 50 50 state if you're in the politics yeah. but what's great is hearing different sides and but nobody you know i i feel like we live in a world of extremes right now it's yeah. either you're extreme this extreme that when you live here it's 50 50 and everybody just cares about their family that's it yeah I and love that's that. what you learn is people aren't like extreme this extreme that's what the news wants you to believe, but in real life, people just want to make sure their bills are paid. People just want to make sure their kids are safe. And that's it. And that's Maybe it. Maybe in Nevada. In other Maybe. states, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least yeah. my experience here. Yeah, I love, I, I love that people are more prone to being spontaneous here because it's easier to meet somebody that night and in LA it's all about okay you work and then 45 to 55 minutes in the car to get home or, or it's just like I, I remember the problem you cannot live in LA and say let's grab something yeah. later on today yeah it's like no I got me it, yeah. everything's scheduled but you it's used to weird. live in Studio like, City if your yeah. friend lived in Venice or Santa Monica you never see them never so never. yeah I, I've been here for four weeks already my mom loves Vegas we're just seeing shows it's, you well, know so, Put it like this, if this, I called you, I texted you yesterday. If we were in LA, this would have never happened the next day. Put it like this, it would have never happened the next day. I, I, it would have, but I, this is what I would have done. I would have been like, okay, let's do a Zoom. Yeah. I yeah. would have done it, but by Zoom but only. But I'm saying if we but both here, lived in LA. Yeah, no, yeah, by no, Zoom, yeah. By I Zoom, I would yeah. not have met you in person because yeah. you chances of you living near me were not close. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't going to drive 45 minutes yeah. to go do your podcast yeah. and then 45 <laughs> minutes back. Here, I was here in like 18 minutes. Yeah, it's perfect. Like, okay, I'll drive 18 minutes to Michael's house to do this podcast and 18 now, minutes before you, back. before you said yes to the podcast, did you uh, Google map how far it was for me? Yeah, of course. Okay. Duh. <laughs> if you were 45 minutes, it's away. We would have been doing this by Zoom. <laughs> you made it right, right under the cutoff mark. Right, right under the cutoff yeah. mark. Right off the. Uh, 
So I, I do want to talk about your weight too. Because Let's. a lot of times, like Alex, the producer, he's just lost 15 pounds. He's Amazing. trying to lose 120 pounds. Uh, he's doing a great job at that. But a lot of times when you take care of your body, happiness comes. Yes, I've said that, that repeatedly. The yeah. healthier, I've actually, I literally yesterday, I'll show you. I literally said that yesterday, me on a spin bike, and I love it. And then I said, healthier is happier. It is. It is. Yeah. The healthier I became when I transformed my body, I transformed my mind as well. And, you know, a lot of people might remember back in the day I was ginormous, but I don't even like phrasing it like that. Well, now but, I say I was just, I used to be very unhealthy. Uh, unhealthy. And now I'm very but the healthy. The product you put out was unhealthy too yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, I, I, I missed this question earlier when you were talking about that because I don't want to dwell on that, but I do want to know what your mother. She was just proud of me. No matter what yep. these, because oh, okay. she knew the real me. Okay, that makes sense. She knew that the real sense. me, and you know, it's weird because for a long period of time there, when I was, uh, people still think I'm an asshole, but when I was, maybe even if people, okay, so here's the thing: some people might be able to acknowledge, okay, he used to be a real big asshole back in the day. Now he's just an asshole. <laughs> so it's like he went from real big asshole to asshole, but he's still an asshole. Um, so back in the day, you know, I really used to think it's a character. Uh, you know, if people don't like what I'm writing, it doesn't matter because it's just a character. It's a character. But that's bullshit. That was bullshit. It wasn't a character. It was me. You were making an excuse for yourself yes. to justify it. Yeah, it was me. And and eventually I had that aha wake up moment. And I'm like, oh shit. How did the aha wake up moment happen? It happened because in the fall of 2010, there was a really awful rash of gay teenagers that were taking their lives, that died by suicide. This journalist, Dan Savage, created this campaign, a movement called It Gets Better, which you might remember all mm -hmm. these celebrities started making videos, talking to young queer people and encouraging them. And, you know, because my job is to know what's happening and be plugged in. I think I got a press release telling me about this new movement. And I, I think I was the first public figure to make an It Gets Better video. And I thought, you know, this is a really awful situation. I'm doing something positive. But the response that I got to that video shook me to my core. Because they were like, you're such a hypocrite. Exactly. Yep. How dare you? How dare you make an It Gets Better video? You're a hypocrite. You're a bully. You're part of the problem. And up until that point, I thought, yeah, I know a lot of people don't like me, but not everybody hates me. Or I don't care if the ones that don't like me because there's a lot of people that do like me and blah, blah, blah. But when I saw the comments and it was like almost every single comment, that's when it snapped. And Eric, when I, when I got awoken and I realized, shit, this is who I've become. This is who I am now. Even if I was trying not to believe that and not just, and, and justify like, my behavior, so I decided to make a change. And it wasn't reinventing the wheel, I put new rims on it. And to all the people that say, well, if you really believe that, why do you still do what you do? Well, I do what I do differently than I used to before, and I still love it. And also, I don't have fuck you money in the bank. Yeah. I got three kids, I got bills to pay. Mm -hmm. 
You know, if I was making, I launched a CBD company last year. If that was crushing it and I could quit everything else, I fucking would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of working so hard. <laughs> so, I mean, are you, are you to that point? I, mean, I know you need the blog and I mean, you, the websites and you yeah, the stuff. I don't, I, I, but, but as soon if I you, made so many financial mistakes as well as getting sued and what's your biggest financial mistake? The biggest financial mistake. Can I, can I ask you something before you answer that? Okay. I heard a company wanted to buy you out. Never. I wish. I No, would've. back in the day. No, not once. That was a bit like somebody offered you like $10 million. It was a fake story. Ah. Uh, that was, it was a fake story used to promote this other company. I was like, I wish I would have gotten that fucking offer. Okay. No, not a single time. The biggest financial mistake I made, which... You know, I have compassion for myself now. The older I get, I don't even just have compassion for others more. I have compassion for myself too, which is healing. Um, I, I I grew up with no financial literacy. My dad died when I was young. My mother filed for bankruptcy after his death. So she never taught me mm -hmm. to balance a checkbook or the things that I needed to do in life. I made all my financial mistakes. I eventually, you know, got out of my hole after filing for bankruptcy. Then I started making money on my website. And because I was a drama degree major and a theater kid, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just heard shit in the business world. I'm like, well, when you start making money, you should invest it back in your business. The biggest mistake I made was investing it all back in my business and not saving half of it or not saving yeah. enough. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna keep investing it back in my business, it's gonna keep growing, it's gonna keep growing, it's gonna keep growing. And then, fuck, I don't have shit saved. What a big mistake. When, when, when did you feel- Too the, late, no, <laughs> I realized feel, that too yeah, late. When did you feel the downfall of the website? Is that when you changed or um, did you feel like starting to well, I mean, off? thankfully I still, earn my living through my website. No, but I'm saying to the point where, like, you know, it just happens with anything yeah, and everyone it runs a course. Yeah. Like even Paris Hilton, when I started, I named myself after her because she was the Kim Kardashian of her day. She was everywhere. Mm -hmm. She's still known now, but she's not, and this is not a diss. She's not culturally relevant. Like she was, Oh, she's not even, um, and I'm not even, I would say, um, neither of us are impactful social media influencers. Yes. We both have followings, but we're not like huge or ginormous or trending or this or that or the other. Not like a Kim Kardashian right now. Where not anything, even she, to be honest. I mean, maybe still, but. It still seems like whatever a Kardashian does, Well, it's the all big over the difference place. with them is that they, they, as a family and Chris, have been so smart to so know smart. the importance of the mothership, which is the power of television. Mm -hmm. They don't need to keep the show going. In fact, they make more money doing everything else oh, than they do from the show. But the show is what keeps the the fuel in the tank. You know what the show is? It's a free commercial yeah. for whatever they want to promote. Exactly. And they get paid millions the one of, to thing do it. I've never had. I've never had a consistent home on television which I would love, I wish, I'm so good at it. Yeah, you are. I, I am, I'm do a you pro. Feel like, do you feel like networks won't give you a shot because Correct. of your past? yes. Have they They're told you pussies. that? They're all pussies. Yeah. They're afraid of being canceled or this or that. And 
It's okay. I, that one interview that I was doing with that magazine, I was talking about my, my party that I threw in 2008 and a lot of big celebrities were at that party. And I don't reflect back on those, um, what I call my it girl days. <laughs> I was an it girl. Yeah. You can't stay an it girl forever. Look at the, all the other it girls. Like Sienna Miller used to be an it girl for a period of time. Is she an it girl anymore? No. Um, I don't look back at those days with sadness that I'm not there anymore. I'm genuinely at peace and happy and content with where I am at now. I'm still hungry and ambitious and a worker and I have dreams and things that I've never done before that I would like to do. But even if I don't do any of that, I've still gone above and beyond my wildest dreams. And my life really is about my kids now and yeah. making them happy and making my mom happy and cherishing, like you mentioned, you know, my therapist said, these are the sandwich years where you have young kids and your parents are starting to get older yeah. and get sick and this and that. And you really start to see that life is simultaneously both darkness and light. And you have to accept both and keep moving forward. So that's where I'm at in my life right now. And how do you love being a father? I love it. Yeah. I love being a father. What's the uh, most challenging thing for you? The most challenging thing for me being a father is probably financial because yeah. I do it all by myself. Like the stress of I've got to earn and make sure I don't overspend and I've got to save more. All of those three big things. Earn more, spend less, save more. All of those those things. Um but I love parenting. I love yeah. my kids. Each one is different. It all comes with a set of challenges. I've become a different dad than before. Um, what does that mean? Meaning I'm at a point now where I believe you set your kids up for success. You love them unconditionally. You encourage them, but you have to also let them be them. Mm -hmm. And I'm such a control freak. And for a period of time there, I was trying to control my kids, but they're young. You can, yeah, yeah. but I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that anymore. Like my nine year old, I just, I, I don't control. I guide. Yes. I'm trying to guide my nine year old through life in the best way possible. I still control my four year old cause she needs to be controlled. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And then my middle child, they're all beautiful and special and inspiring and challenging in their own ways. And, the one negative thing about parenting that I did not expect, I lived a blissful, anxiety-free life before kids. Then when I had kids, boom, I have anxiety. Oh. Uh, I, like real anxiety. I told my friend it's the best blessing to have kids and a wife for me, but every time I'm gone, I fear something's going to happen to them. That, like, it, I, I don't like My anxiety is also just like money based yeah like, yeah uh, am i gonna have enough money for them for college yeah i gotta start saving for college and this and that and like oh my god my nanny costs so much money and yeah. like, oh my god, ah! but you know i um i have a roof over our heads move to vegas half price we everything have... becomes half price in vegas baby maybe my mom is 
my sister lives in LA and okay. works in LA. My fa- my career is there. I'll think about it. If I got a, if I, if I got like a job here, oh. then I could tell my mom, well, I got a job offer doing this or that or the other, um, whether it be a show at a casino or a show on the TV station here, or, or I don't know what, uh, I would move to Vegas with a job. Yeah. Does I that make you. sense? No, I got you. I got you. Because I love it here. I almost bought a house in Vegas in 2018 oh when God. I was here doing Chippendales. Yeah. I was a spe- the celebrity guest host for six weeks. So we were here for almost eight weeks total and getting to experience Vegas as a local made me love it Oh, it's because so it's a real town. It is family friendly and there's so much to do off the strip. You know, you know, what's so great is that people come here for vacation but I live 20 minutes away from the strip. Me and my wife will go to a great dinner, one of the best restaurants in the country right here on Vegas. All the big um, chefs have their restaurants. Yeah. You go eat, go to a show, and then you're back at home. I love that. Yes, you know, I love that. I, I, I think if you get a chance to make the movie, it's just, it's... We'll it's, see. You know what it is? You know what it is? And I tell people this. When you live in LA, there's this heaviness that comes with LA. Well, you know? I, for me, it's really... I don't really have many friends in LA. Yeah. And that's sad. And I feel like it would be easier to make friends in Vegas. It would be easier to, to meet men in Vegas. Like I don't date in LA. So you're still, you're still single. Very single. So because do, I don't want to do, I don't do any online dating or yeah. apps or anything like that. So do. Plus it's hard dating when you're reviled, despised by the gay community. Like <laughs> I am. Okay. Okay. So that's a problem. Yeah. But I don't need a man. I am content with that one. I would okay. like one. And I do believe he is out there. It's going to take a very so strong why do, why man. Why does the gay community hate you? Is this a story? Because back in the day, I used to out people like a douchebag. Oh, yeah, yeah, back yeah. in the day, I got into fights with major gay icons, these divas. Yeah, yeah. So I am like a leper in, in, in my own community. Now, if you could go back. And I you, deserve it. If you go back, would you do it all again the same way? If I could go back knowing what I know now, yeah. no. No, you wouldn't even have No, yeah. because I also realize now I didn't have to do all of that. I I was like this I I did it all. I take full accountability, but in many ways I've gone through my whole life only up until recently when I've been able to reprogram my brain and practice self-love and work <laughs> on loving myself, but yes, no, even when I was popular and even when i was popular and had lost weight i was still the fat kid with the fat kid mentality and i thought i had to do the things that i was doing it was the only i had i have to do this this is the only way i'm getting attention but now i realized my personality is enough my my talents multiple because i am a talented bitch yeah um i am more than enough but I was lacking total confidence and in and and in my in faith in my abilities at the time, and I thought this is what I need to do. It was like the the easy. It was easy. It was cheap, and it was effective. And people go for it, easy, cheap, and effective. It's what works. And if we, if you see something, if if it works, beat it to the ground. And you did. I did. <laughs> right. But all these years later, I'm still feeling the consequences of that. Of those actions. Do you think you'll feel that for the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, forever. And that's okay. But do you think the move, you moving out of a place that hates you, 
might, I mean, do you ever wonder yourself, why do I live in a place that still hates me? Maybe if I go somewhere else, they... That's a good idea. I mean, good thoughts. You know, why stay in a place that hates you? Yeah, it's something about LA, because when I did live, I moved to New York in 2013, when my so did they have that same hate for you? No, I was loved in New York. See, because New York had that history of the gossip reporter. Yeah, from you know Michael Musto to Cindy Adams to Liz Smith to you know um, I think Luella Parsons see, and Hedda Hopper were in New York. See, were in L.A., but it was I felt always welcome in New York, and I never felt welcome. Well, in Los I think Angeles. I think. Look, what you did was horrible and we've we've addressed all that, but I feel LA too when I when I live there is very if somebody hates it everybody has to hate it. No there's no free thought. Like everybody just follows yeah. one another sheep. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. you know, like let's just but everybody has hate and look, it's well deserved. But I moved here. This is what I love about here. And I was never so far to the level you were as far as popularity. But, you know, people recognize me, but nobody's ever come to me going, Hey, so did you go out for this audition or did you, there's no industry talk here. You know what I mean? And that's what I love is people. Oh just, wait, you're on a show on Apple. Oh yeah. It's right? coming out. Yeah. It's coming out this Friday called Amber Brown breaking into acting and Bonnie hunt. So cast me for it. How did that happen? You've been auditioning I auditioned, or they just reached out to you. I auditioned for it. Uh, How did that work? Did you audition by zoom? No, I have an agent. No, but I mean, are they, yeah, they it was doing Zoom, Zoom back audition? then? It was a year, yeah. So, so you did a Zoom audition. So they say, so I sent in an audition. Or like a tape. Yeah, you taped yourself. I taped myself. Then they called me back for the live audition. And they go, oh, the casting people are going to be on there. When I sign in and come up, I see four names ahead of me. Casting director says, we'll be with you in a second. Then they pop up. It's Bonnie Hunt, all the people from Apple, all the casting, like 15 people. So and then cool. they're like, and then they all disappear and they say, go. And... I feel like it did really well in the audition. You got it. And I got it. And then it's what I'm excited about is you would know about this. When we were growing up, there wasn't a lot of diversity on TV. Yeah. No, this, none. This, none. This show shows that. What's you it know, called again? It's called Amber Brown. Amber Brown. And yeah. where did you film it? We filmed it in Utah. In Utah. For like uh, three or four months. It's a How long many show. episodes is it going to be? So I was only supposed to be in two. So Bonnie told, Bonnie was all awesome. She goes, we're trying you out for two episodes. It was my first big acting gig. And then she goes, if you do well, uh, you know, we'll keep you in. So I did nine episodes. Amazing. Yeah. So I'm really excited because, you know. You've never done acting before that? No. Wow. Yeah, but that's but, a, that's but there were some critics that watched it that I knew called me and go, man, this is gonna you know, we'll fingers crossed this is gonna get you to the next level because it's really good. So we'll see. And the show's great. It's a great family message. I play an ex-husband trying to get back in their family's life and How you know, it's exciting. like I did Yeah. And you know, my stand up's blown up. So it's just now I'm I'm sort of like you. It's it's kind of like you just enjoy every moment now. And I just want to connect with people that I've never connected with. That's why as soon as uh, I heard you were in town, I, I hit you up because I was like, I've never talked to you. I've never sat down with you because there's no way we would have came in interaction back in the day at in L.A. You know, no, I, I, I because know. we were we were in the same circle, but we we're in different circles. Sure. You know what I mean? And so I was like, you know what? You there's a lot of onion appeal in this interview and you know i felt like since you were here let's do it and you said yes and i man this has been amazing man and i love 
how anybody owns up to what they've done. And then you move forward and you got kids and you got a family and you would, I'm sure you would never want anyone to write about your kids. Like you wrote about people. So that doesn't bother me if they do, I don't care. Yeah. I does. I, you could say the worst things about my kid. I'll respond with like a laughing emoji. Like, okay. Who cares? Okay. Why should I care? Um, because it could affect them, though. Oh, well, you know. You I, know, because... Look, but I'll tell that to my kids. My kids already know that I'm very disliked. Oh, I've they had do that know conversation that. with them. And How do you they, have that conversation? with Just telling them. You know, a lot of people don't like your dad. I think um, it's important for them to know. No, absolutely. And, well, my kids don't have social media, but... And I'm actually, I'm weird. Like I'm probably not going to let them have social media till 15, senior 16? year of high school. Yeah. Yeah. There's no need. Yeah. There's no need. Like when you're, is that, is that because of the fear they could look stuff up on you? No, they just don't need it. There's, yeah. It's a distraction. I'm like a single dad. So I'm good cop, bad cop, as they say, maybe that's not the best analogy. these days. But <laughs> yeah. I'm loving and fun and playful, but I'm also a disciplinarian and I believe in structure and strict yeah. and all of those. And, it's, and I have high expectations for my children. So them getting social media will just distract them from homework and from excelling at things. Yeah. There's no need. I got you. If they want to be on social media, they can make appear. They, they make appearances on mine. They yeah. don't have to have their own accounts. They won't, they just won't senior year of high school. It'll be our transition year to college. That's when I will allow them. I, I think I'm the same. I think I'm the same because I, I, I know I'm gonna keep my kids away from it yeah. because only bad. It's like going out after what I say, going after midnight. I'm not only worried about that. If I have good kids. I'm sure you have, yeah. they will be good. Your kids are good kids and they'll continue to be good kids. Mm -hmm. If you raise them right, I do believe that things are fine. Yeah, but for me, it's not pressures just a, from the outside can. For affect me, you. it's more of like it's just a time suck and a yeah. distraction, and they don't need it. It's not necessary. All right. Well, this has been a, Dude, a wonderful Perez, time. Thank you so Good much, to man. see you. Good to see you. I too. would shake your hand, but my hands are really clammy no, and sweaty now. Let's do let's do this again. The air's sometime. off. And when uh, you and when you get the job out here, wherever it manifest it. Manifest yes, yes. it. We'll, yes. we'll hang again. All right. Sounds good. All right. Great. Or maybe I'll see you at Chris Angel. There Take you. Go. you. <laughs>